Red on Red. This week in the podcast, we're talking with Tommaso O'Brien, sound engineer and newly installed bassist for Cork Metalers Corosa.
Ballyhays' favourite daughter, Gadget in the Cloud, with This Year, and Elle, with recent single Pepsi, ahead of the release of new single Glisten, available for pre-order now via boomcat.com. This is Red on Red, Cork's new music podcast, dropping every Wednesday evening via Cork's Red FM and redextra.ie. We're also available on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcasting apps. Joining us this week in Red on Red's holiday residence at Griffith College Cork's Radio Labs, sound engineer and bassist for Cork Outfits, Great Apes and Carosa, Tomás O'Brien. Tomás, how's it going, buddy? Hi, Mike. Over the course of the weekend, you were announced as the new bassist for Carosa. Um, that's a state of affairs that's been in development for quite some time uh, before it was made official. How are you feeling about it now and what's the, what's the plan? Uh, the plan is to get really, really everything tight and just become a well-oiled machine and lay waste to the gaff, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's really good. Um, it's really fun to play with lads. They've been impressive live over the past couple of years and there's a there, there's plans in store from what I can ascertain. Yeah, there's an album on the way that should be done pretty soon. I don't have a completion date yet, but it is, it, it's definitely getting there. We'll, we'll have it soon. Was it easier for you then kind of working as an engineer with them over the years to kind of, you know, to, to, to fit in in terms of how to put together things for a live set in terms of what tones complement each other, etc.? As in, what do you mean as in? As in levels and just the techie aspect of it. like Just to, to work with metal? Yeah, just to work with the lat, like to work with Corosa specifically. Oh, Corosa specifically, yeah. yeah. No, they're cool. <laughs> and even Ollie, I remember the first gig... Um, first gig I'd ever seen them I think it might have been like their second gig ever it was mm. in it was one of the first um, then Subtle Beast gigs uh, that Con was running up in the Spalpeen uh, it was themselves uh, Slum from a Tree Weed Priest were headlining and um, yeah I remember even just Ollie kind of going through with me just before they went on like what they needed and stuff and he was even happy from them so I think I was on good terms with them even from them, and that was, yeah, a year and a half ago at least at this stage. We'll get into how you got together with Carosa and plans for the future in a little bit more detail a little bit later on. But first, uh, Tomas, you're no stranger to the hard grind of uh, engineering sound and uh, rocking some roll. You got your start uh, in the mean streets of Myrtleville, uh, helping out with the proceedings of the Pine Lodge. But before we get into that, uh, maybe talk to us a little bit about how you got into music in the first place, because a common theme of talking to brand new guests on the show is kind of digging up those awkward teenage stories, those first guitars, those first instruments, and those early influences. What were your kind of, what was your first interaction with music that that prompted you to go, well, I, there's something here? Yeah, um, it's funny that you ask because, like, I specifically remember as a kid thinking music was a lot of. You know, really? Yeah. I, oh, I it's a podcast. It. You can curse as well. Oh, sweet. Yeah. No, I thought it was a load of bollocks. Like, it was a waste of time. Waste of time. I thought. Like, I, I was all. I, I was into reading science and stuff. You know, as a young fella, and I just didn't get music at all. Like, at all. And I thought music lessons in school waste of time. Hated it. Did not look forward to it whatsoever. So. Um, I think maybe it was probably the first time I saw an electric guitar. <laughs> saw footage of someone playing electric guitar it's like alright yeah you can do that too and um, then hearing like I'm trying to remember it was somewhat of the, like I used to listen to some of the DJs on 2FM there was some really good shows on there do you the heavy metal show on Sunday night oh yeah the John Kenny heavy metal yes, show yes, yes. paranoid as, a, as an opener 
Oh yeah, they did. They used to use the riff from Paranoid, yeah, as the yeah, opener, yeah, which yeah. is like the most stereotypical metal show <laughs> you could possibly put together. Yeah, but sure, look, it's this iconic a- for a reason. Like it is. But um, no, I think I, I'm trying to remember now who it was. I think it might have been. I heard in between all the other. We'll say, um, you know, th- th- there was a lot of music on it. I heard Grand thought, yeah, cool, this is nice. But then one fateful evening on Two FM, I heard um, um, BYOB from System of a Down being played, and that's you know that's that's. Um, it's a it's a wild track for radio, definitely. Yeah, and it's political, and I just thought, oh, wow. <laughs> this is two thousand and five now. Where about two thousand five? Yeah, like I was young, like, and it was like, oh. <laughs> this is the business end of new metal, and Sony is kind of really pushing System of a Down. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. At this stage, so that makes sense. And that was kind of my first. I think, yeah, that was the first moment where I was like, oh, okay, maybe there's something to this. <laughs> It's a bit odd though, because I mean, like we talk about System of a Down a lot, myself and buddies, obviously, as one of those <laughs> things where, you know, the first two albums are certified gold, they're yeah, genius, yeah, yeah. and then everything after that tends to be mad scientists accidentally stumbling upon results in between throwing things at the wall. Yeah, but like I kind of respect that, and I kind of like, especially at the time when you hear nothing else like it, and I mean, like, nothing else like it. Yeah, no, like, but they're they're like. I'm not saying like they're one of my favorite bands or anything, but they were definitely one of the first yeah. to, to grab me, and you know, make me think twice about music. <laughs> of the great new metal survivors, System of a Down or Deftones? Uh, I'm probably going to have to go still with System of a Down because I, I I actually never really even got into Deftones if I can admit Ooh. that. Now, yeah. We'll have to Sorry. we're gonna have to to, to remedy that uh, when we get <laughs> off the air. I loved when Elenkis uh, covered. Uh, what was it? Do you remember at my Townlands own summer? There? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cover, and I was like, yeah, cool. <laughs> um, you're a Myrtleville man. You grew up uh, with the slow hands of the masters uh, playing the blues over at the Pine Lodge, which is a legendary venue for those not in the know. Uh, unfortunately, closed a couple of years ago. On top of being a local um, mecca for live music, it was also a tremendous secondary location for tours for various alternative bands around the country. Was a great venue for busing out from the city centre for Freak Scene for many years. Did their big summer gigs out there. Hope is Noise did a pair of gigs busing out from the town centre. And there's been a ton of those kind of excursions over the years. Party at the Pint, yeah, yeah. Uh, Pine for your loved ones. It's always been this novelty. The Pine Lodge was for us, this beautiful pub in the middle of nowhere that just had a PA and you could go out there and you could cause wreck by the beach. Maybe talk to us a little bit about your first toddlings to gigs there and was that where you kind of got the urge to kind of pick up the technical aspect of music? What was it for you? Well, that was just in general seeing bands here in Ireland actually doing it, you know, because I grew up in, I grew up out in Novel, which people uh, know from Novel Cove, but it's really like there, there is nothing there. Well, no, that's that's not true. It's a lovely place and there's lots of great people there. But like in terms of uh, things to do as a teenager and mm. trying to get to gigs and things as a hassle. So um, Pine Lodge then would have been, you know, maybe about 20 minutes away. And then I went to school in Crosshaven. So I'd actually have friends in Crosshaven around the corner. Yeah. Uh, places to stay, you know, that kind of thing. And um yeah, no, it was. Um, I, I still miss the place, man. <laughs> like it was. Um, uh, it was one of those. I think the first time I properly went there was one of those. Um, one of those all theirs and terriers were playing. That would be pine for your loved ones, maybe. 
Yeah, I can't remember. It was my birthday one year anyway, and I right. went out and I I didn't actually stay too much longer after because I was feeling pretty sick. But Terriers was well worth it. Like that's not the first time now the Terriers have been brought up as an influential uh, act on the current wave of lads in Cork City because Cormac of all people. Uh, upon moving to Cork, kind of happened across Terriers at a Cormac Daly of Cosmonaut yeah. Music. Sorry, uh, happened across Terriers at a gig at the Cork Community Print Shop, and he kind of cited them as like, okay, this is cool. There's really cool stuff happening in Cork, and look what he's gone on to achieve since, with just the evidence that was placed to him by by Seb Doggy Dog and the boys. Yeah, uh, no, I, I like, I just remember thinking like, oh yeah, cool stuff is happening. I can, I can uh, get to that. <laughs> in terms then of getting started doing some uh, ricking of your own we'll, we'll not go into the trash posting group um, but you know what inspired you to pick up an instrument and what were kind of those earliest circumstances of, of jamming Matt, like, I think literally it's as simple as the sound of a guitar but what I, was the like what as in like your experience I, like, your first gigs etc my first gigs I'd say my first gigs were like like I started fairly young, like I was about eleven or so when I picked up guitar, and like I think I remember one of my first experiences playing in front of people. It was literally just like last day of primary school, just getting my little my little amp outside. I was asked to play like because they knew I played guitar or whatever, you know, and like I just cranked it up and just I don't, I can't even remember what I played, but I was just playing stuff outside in the school with a bunch of eight year olds running around. It's pretty good, like. That is class. That's, probably, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's a better first gig story than I've ever heard. And then um, in, yeah, in secondary school, the first year, there was a charity gig. I think Plint were playing at that. So it was Ooh. nuts. Uh, yeah, no. Now you're dropping in, science. Yeah, this is in Crosshaven. And um, like, so I would have been in about, yeah, first year, uh, Plint and like Rory Dale and those boys would have been up in fifth year, whatever. Yeah. And um, they started, you know, there was a bit of movement up the front. So, of course, a couple of us lads, like, in first year who were playing away uh, came up to join them. And, like, we were just instantly just dragged by the scruff of the neck out. And, like, the teachers oh. did not appreciate it at all. We were kicked out. But we were all playing, so they kind of just caught, held us in the back room until we were playing. Oh, <laughs> What a pain. It was kind of funny, though. Like, I don't mind. <laughs> I suppose the most readily recognisable of your recent projects has been Shoegaze Outfit, Great Apes. Maybe give us an insight as to how that got kicked off and and, and take us from there. Uh, that was literally just kind of... I had come back from... Uh, I was living in Germany for like a year. And I played in a little band like for the crack with uh, some of my friends here before I went off <clears throat> from school. And uh, I continued. I just brought my guitar over with me just to kind of keep, you know, at it and keep seeing what I could get into over there. Hmm. Um, but when I came back anyway, and uh, myself and one of my friends there who's playing in the band, uh, he, um, we linked up again and started going to gigs. And I was like, man, we should be like doing something. He's like, yeah, cool. And uh, we just kind of gave it a shot and locked ourselves in my garage for about a week and tried to record with no knowledge or anything and uh, any songs written oh yeah yeah like we just lashed out a bunch of songs literally like we just laid down the tracks and like uh, overlaid overdubbed stuff over them like neither of us can play drums really but you gotta do what you, you have to, 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 to yeah to get the, 
the tune out. So there's been a fair amount of uh, gigging done under the name, or there was up until... There was, and then, uh, I don't know, we kind of hit... Uh, there was a stage there where um, various people were involved in various things and possibly moving country and all that kind of thing. So that kind of fairly deadened momentum there. But um, we're, we're, we are back jamming, but um, we're just trying to figure out because I think we're all in a totally different place now than what we were. We'll talk a little bit about that specifically when we come back. But first, let's go to some more tunes. To open the show, we heard from Gadget and the Cloud and L. And coming up next, we have Becoming an Earthworm, the lead-off single from Fixity's new album, No Man Can Tell, which was released a little bit under two weeks ago now via Penske Recordings. Yeah, uh, it's class. <laughs> like, it really is. Uh, I, I think, and I don't know, I'll probably get a lot of shit for saying it but it, it's just my gut reaction it, it, that album just feels like Red Dead Redemption to me like there's just a vibe you know there's, a, there's that little bit there's of, a um, desert vibe and, there is and uh, I don't know what it is but I really I don't know I really like it and Dan Walsh of course here's a deep cut for you uh, Dan coming from the drone scene and all of this yeah yeah uh, as well as some of his uh, collaborators I remember vaguely Paddy Cullen, who was also the engineer for this uh, album, mm, yeah. having a desert drone project with James O'Gorman of Maersk called Deadlands. Oh, and they were something else. I think I went to, they think they played like three shows. And I went to two of them. And they were just kind of beautiful and majestic in that dusty way. Yes. Yeah, I oh, know. Well, I'm going to have to check that out now. I don't think there's any stuff available online. I don't okay, think Okay, you have to be there. Yeah, it was like, like a lot of kind of one-night-only outfits that came from the Seriously. improv scene at the time. You also have Rhianor with Forbidden Passion. Yeah, so Rhianor is um, the project of a uh, guitarist uh, that I know fairly well and played with a good bit, jammed in various sessions out in Crosshaven, Ari Sheehan. Uh, he's actually he played a couple of gigs with John Bleck recently on lead guitar, and um, he's just he's a phenomenal guitarist with a really kind of beautiful sense of melody. Hmm. And uh, I don't, I just think this track is gorgeous. He's he's recorded it all in his kind of home studio. As far as I know, played everything himself on it, and uh, done an amazing job. And he's also um, a luthier, a, a, an extremely talented luthier. There's been a lot more luthiers out of Cork lately. Yeah. The whole kind of custom guitar scene that kind of came from technical metal has kind of expanded its wings a little bit. Yeah. Well, this I think Ari's main passion would be the acoustic instruments, but um, and is he a product of St. John's? Um, I'm not sure actually. Because you know, there's these, you know, there's the instrument making course yeah, in St. Yeah, John's, yeah, yeah. and that's turned out a lot of kind of custom luthiers. Yeah, I, I'm going to say no, but right. I could be wrong. We'll hear from Rianor there momentarily, but first, this is Fixity with Becoming an Earthworm here on Red on Red.
Rianor with Forbidden Passion here on Red on Red, still joined in studio by sound engineer extraordinaire and great apes slash Carosa man, Tomas O'Brien. And speaking of sound engineering, which is what your head would be most familiar with for a great many musicians and gig goers in Cork City. Um, engineering is a different calling from picking up the guitar. It requires a different understanding of sound. It requires factoring in things like the room, things like you know, matter around the room that will absorb sound and so forth. Things like people's moods. Exactly. Um, how did you get into the, the 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 dark art of manipulating people's moods? Uh, <laughs> it it kind of was just from going to gigs, gigs of various sizes, and mm. like one thing I noticed straight away was some sound great, some sound not so great, and it's not necessarily the band's not playing great but there's just something off and I was kind of intrigued as to why that was mm. because there has to be a scientific reason really and it turns out there is <laughs> so um, I kind of just wanted to see what that was all about literally it's just curiosity Yeah. and then I kind of started doing it I think my first the first gig I actually like engineered wasn't even a gig it was like it was a theatre it was like a theatre show where I was just running sound effects and mics and stuff out in uh, the Inkwell Theatre in Manambridge. In short order, you start working with Cormac Daly, uh, aka Cosmonaut Music, who, you know, two years ago was right at the hilt of what he was doing in terms of regular math rock shows, regular drum and bass gigs, and so forth. And he starts kind of raising an army of engineers, production people, etc., uh, to kind of work alongside him and his wider projects, including festivals, etc. Uh, what was it like being part of that organization, and what did you have to learn from it? Uh, learned a lot. Uh, Cormac is class. Shout out to Cormac. Um, Shout out Cormac. Yeah, it was uh, it was funny because um, like literally, I don't think he didn't even really know me. I think he just kind of asked me at a gig. I think it was last year before Urban Assault in the Spalpeen. Uh That was that gig. Who was playing Partalone and Alla yeah. were playing inside in the, the Roundy. And Cormac was engineering. He was like, "Come here next week. There's a." Uh, uh, Urban Assault there if you'd be on for giving me a hand I was like yeah cool uh, like I didn't even know him at this stage and he was just like I, yeah well I saw you around I'd say you're an engineer or something like well you have that beef like you have that way about you I mean that's how <laughs> I, that's how we started talking was we were the two weirdos at the front of all these gigs <laughs> and you know we were both pedal gazers oh yeah yeah we were both kind of looking at what, the, at the what pedals. exactly because that's half the joy of going to a show <laughs> in the first place yeah. give me my bang for my five euro in at the door you know yeah, yeah. um and that was the impression that I got, was that you were, like, a student of the game, so to speak. <laughs> a student of the game. game. Hey! Yeah. No, um... Yeah, pretty much. Like, I, I, it all just comes down to curiosity, really. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, um, so Cormac recognised me, I guess, from gigs, and uh, just asked if we were for giving a hand at that, and I did, and that was the night after bin night, Bin night. Yeah, that was a, a little a warehouse thing okay. with cock and militia and the like. That was great. But um I'm sure that was no good for your head though. No, and actually I only came home at six o'clock and then <laughs> I had an all day metal festival to engineer and not only engineer but learn the desk on. Because I'd and never used it before, but it's fine. There is so many different learning curves for different desks. And yeah. Cormac is not messing around with his technology. No, but that's like his his setup is beautiful. I mm. enjoy. Sure, you know you saw me getting through uh, timelines with it. So. Yeah. <laughs> 
off the back then of working with Cormac as well as as we mentioned earlier Townlands Carnival uh, you start getting some more work in and around the place including Open Ear Festival was it last year or two years ago? That was actually even two years ago that was so that's another um, that was a product I suppose of doing the uh, Masters in Music and Technology in CIT because that that group that class group was just a bunch of sound heads like uh, that included uh, Paddy Cullen and the like Paddy Cullen Sean Breen in his suits there Luke Daly um, who played with Aerialist um, yeah. and relevant to this uh, Mick Mick Donahue T-Walk what a bunch of sounders yeah um, among others and um, Mick is uh, you know he's he's stage manager up at Open Ear yeah. so I think yeah myself Paddy and Luke went out that first year 27 well not the first year second year of the festival yeah, um, we went out and all worked on the stage uh, I went back last year and I'm going back this year again who are you looking forward to on the lineup? oh man um, oh Woven Skull I guess mm. yeah Woven Skull are playing their savage they're um, always wild to see live yeah. and up in Shark Island like yeah Get your tickets now at openear.ie. Yeah, definitely. It's class. What a lot of people listening mightn't understand is while a festival is naturally kind of a test of endurance for those attending because they're getting up at whatever hours and they're going as hard as they can or until the music stops, whichever comes first. When you're working at that, the schedule is almost doubled down where, you know, stagehands and engineers and all of this have to be up before the revelers and they have to be away after tidying everything. Um... For those that are unfamiliar with running a stage, because I've run a stage and others haven't, it's a, it's a thankless task. But um, maybe bring us through a day's kind of itinerary uh, for yourself, working sound for a festival and kind of some of the, the ups and downs um, of getting it done. Okay, well, um, I mean, I guess, yeah, you have to be up in plenty of time before the first sound check is even scheduled to begin and make sure all parts of your system are working speakers, amps, everything and that they're sounding exactly as they did the day before if not, check out why uh, you have to know, I mean the main thing is knowing the system in and out knowing exactly how everything should be knowing exactly what the gear is capable of and where you can push it what it lacks uh, and what you can reasonably expect out of it so because knowing that gives you a fair idea of how you're actually performing hmm. and helps you overcome any shortcomings that might be in the system yeah but that's just the technical side then you actually have to um, make sure uh, that everyone is happy and comfortable to be there that is far and away the main thing like the technical is just a given you know yeah you're, you're expecting everything to work technically and everyone is reasonably expecting that of you yeah what is far more important uh, or well just as important really is um, uh, making sure everyone is comfortable no one's stressed and everyone's happy to be there to play that they feel that you've done what you can for them yeah uh, that they feel respected and that's a big thing because it's when you're talking to musicians it's a topic that comes up really really often uh, of the dickhead sound engineer who doesn't care and is just jaded and like really isn't helpful I do not want to be that ever so no. do you know I think it, it you, you get you, like even just on a pure 
brute level you get a better performance from musicians when you are sound to them and when you show them that you respect what they're doing yeah and that you are going to do your absolute best to get them everything they need by the time people start coming through and going to shows then there's the risk of uh, spilt pints landing on gear there's oh, the geez, risk of yeah. everything uh, any particular stories when it comes to festival crowds and oh, uh, they're um, I suppose they're rewilding when it comes to, uh, uh, to being out in the field for a weekend yeah I think the maddest was at open ear when I caught a fella behind the stage about to take a big bite out of a 32 amp power cable he was okay. looking he was looking for something to chew man he was he, he was all done with his jaw so <laughs> you know <laughs> power cable is the next logical choice of course so, yeah had to show him out oh that was also the year that I was I was minding the desk on my own and yeah. um, somebody kind of stumbled backwards lost his balance torpedoed the desk uh. knocked everything over but it kept going there was not a single glitch or anything so that was that was a relief but Jesus it's a bit of a fortuitous event really isn't it just yeah well you know after that it, all things like that teach you something you know so from now on I've made sure I have a little fort yeah. around wherever I'm working That that's never happened since and then in terms of balancing you know your enjoyment of an event or keeping your bands in the air with the fact that you have to if there's nights that you're not gigging there's nights that you're engineering or there's days that you're doing work all of us are freelancers for the most part in the Cork music scene we're off doing a million and one things uh, and it's really Yourself that kind of particular. the sure look <laughs> has to be done like, um, but it's that kind of balance that the Cork music scene is built on in that everybody's doing a little bit of everything else so generally it evens out what's your kind of um, means of balancing your creativity with your work with you know with your enjoyment of going to shows and to festivals etc I don't think I do um, which sounds bad but like it's kind of I, I find it mostly it all feeds the same kind of energy yeah I just really like music so whether it's playing it or getting to see it via helping out musicians to deliver what they need yeah you know that's that's all it's not all the same, but it's it's very much all enjoyable. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about Corosa as well as the state of the metal scene in Cork at present. But right now, we're going to go to some more tunes. Um, Tomas, you have uh, some dreamy, dreamy, dream poppy slash folky stuff with uh, Yankee and Single Lander. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is a banger. Uh, Yankee, are, like, I've made a point to see them every time I can just because it's wild. Like, they just have... They have a following and it's quite a thing to see. And um, again, I think this is, yeah, this is pretty much studio-wise. It's all the work of one man. Um, and then, um, uh, I don't know, it's just, it slaps like. <laughs> when you have that quality, if you have to ask, you'll never know kind of job. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is, man. It's like, yeah, like, because I, you know, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get a good mix of stuff in here. Uh, yeah. And cover a lot of bases and I do like I do love heavy music but you have to appreciate this when it comes along and just slaps you in the face as well speaking of uh, people that you should appreciate when they come along uh, Laurie Shaw with Dream Song taken from one of his 70 albums yeah yeah he uh, yeah his stuff is on here a lot again another ridiculous like how did this happen kind of person 
Um, As in, how did this person kind of happen, or how how did, did uh, come here now? How how <laughs> did how did this music gain a corporeal form? Kind of like he Dan is Walsh. music. Yeah, same same with Dan Walsh. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Laurie's unreal. Um, he's obviously been featured a lot on the show already, and mm-hmm. the thing about it is, there's just so much to choose from. So I remember, um, yeah, when you had Ashling Ashling Reardon on. And she picked actually probably one of my favourite Laurie Shaw tunes, the Void Walking. Oh god, yeah. Yeah, that's again banger. top banger like. So um I think uh, I I just wanted to get this tune out there because I think it's unreal. We'll I get think to people it. should hear it. <laughs> we'll get to it momentarily, but first this is Yankee with Lander here on Red on Red.
Shaw with Dream Song here on Red on Red, still joined in studio by sound engineer and great apes slash Corosa man Tomas O'Brien. Speaking of Corosa, we're talking a little bit earlier about your induction to the band as a bass player recently after a period of rehearsal and you know capitalizing on an established relationship uh, with the band that you've maintained via sound engineering for them over the past. So, an implied understanding of their music which is a great position to go into a working band from in terms of what they're at. As a player and as somebody that had kind of been out of the loop for a couple of months in terms of not having gigged and so forth, um, was there any kind of difficulties with getting back into the groove? Uh, And, you know, coming in as a new lad to a band that's been around, how has the dynamic changed as you've seen it or what have you? I was, uh, I really, really loved their music, first of all. So it was kind of, it, it made a lot of sense to me to, to start playing. Uh, and I'd actually never really... Yeah, I'd never really gigged out with metal before. And I thought that was kind of strange, seeing as I go to so many metal gigs and I'm involved in that side of it. So it was mm. like, well, this this could be really interesting. And it is. And so I found in terms of like a transition or a getting back to it kind of thing not really that difficult because you know I really want it so yeah. you know if, 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 if there's something that you really really want to do and you really have the thirst for it like the motivation's already there yeah the motivation's already there I've done my years of practice so it's kind of fun to just kind of see it oh this is actually working yeah because I was, as you said, if I was out of it for a while, I was kind of scared that, all right, well, do I actually have the chops to play like this mad metal with shifting time signatures? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's cool. It makes a lot of sense. 
the songs getting up to speed on stuff that was already kind of composed. What is that process like then in terms of do the lessons give you MP3s and go transcribe? Or as in one case that I encountered when I was attempting to get a band started years ago, somebody handed me 88 pages of music printed out of guitar wow. and goes, do that. Just like tab? Uh, yeah, because <laughs> I didn't understand sheet. <laughs> wow. So yeah, do that there now. <laughs> okay. Well, that is one thing actually, I think just um, where the recording comes in, it's you have no excuse anymore not to learn it because it's just there. It's a test of your feel. Yeah, <laughs> true feel. Yeah, no, yeah, you, literally, yeah. You just yeah. have to feel it out when you're when you're playing with it. And um, uh, yeah, the boys gave me MP3s, uh, some off the new album. They sound great. Oh, um, but um, yeah, so that made it easy to just you know come up to speed with them. And again, having engineered for them so many times, uh, it was like, oh yeah, sure, I know this song already. That kind of way. So just kind of playing by ear. Playing by ear, literally. Yeah, playing by ear. I can't read music at all. I have to just. You're a you're a feel man. I'm yeah. I'm more than a tone man. Uh, I have to. to, You have to get the tone as well, like. Well, you do, of course, like. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a there's a gentle balance between it. There is. Your involvement in Carosa comes at a time when metal in Cork, you know, gigs are. They're regular, but they're not. They're not. They're not as regular as they would have been a couple of years ago for various reasons etc and it seems to be that promoters are doing promoters are doing a lot more diverse stuff less often so as to kind of spread the impact of what they're doing around between Paranoid Beast Petrophile Pyre etc um, what's your take on the metal scene in Cork and for those listening via redfm.ie and redextra.ie um, who would you recommend to somebody getting into local metal oh uh, yeah there's a lot um, that aren't Carosa. That aren't Car- yeah. yeah <laughs> I mean, yeah, um, but also Carosa. But um, no, um, one of my favorites definitely Partalone. You know yourself. Post metal um, buys. Yeah, post metal. Uh, really, really strong melodic, um, and the vocals are just incredible. Like to just to see that being done in person. That's um, I. Even exactly. thinking about it, I can't really think of how to describe it properly. Just, you know. It's hard to unpack. It's one of those things that you have to go see live. It, literally, yeah. God alone, obviously. Yeah, the breakout stars of Cork's yeah, metal scene yeah. in 20, 2018. Yeah. Uh, and Suits Air. Both of which you have coming up momentarily. Yep. We're at the point now where there's all dares too. Like, this wasn't a thing maybe after the closure of a certain venue on Douglas Street or after certain other venues had stopped trading completely. Obviously, we have Urban Assault coming out of the Spalpeen Faunuk. We have Monolith out of Cypress Avenue. Um, there's the Balor the all there yeah. out of um, the Poor Relation as well. And it seems to be that there's a lot more kind of tailoring gigs, etc., toward the experience, toward providing a day out and prov- toward providing something special for what's happening. And I mean, that this has been a, a pattern that's been kind of repeated across Cork music at the moment with different genres of music as different collectives have tried different audio-visual experiences like Cutting Heads Collective, like Teletext, etc. Kind of, um, in terms of the current venue situation and the niche nature of metal, how do you see things progressing from here? I'm not sure, to be honest. Hopefully just more gigs. But, yeah. um, like, really, that what, what you're saying there, you kind of hit the nail on the head, really. it's a, And it's, it's something that is... I think happening across uh, across music generally that there's a much bigger emphasis on festivals and all theirs and that's just down to I think it's a lot easier to get people 
into an intense, concentrated, full-on experience where they know, right, I'm definitely sinking some time into this. Yeah. I'm going to see a lot. This is a good trade-off. I think it's kind of as simple as that. I think it's something that's worked for the Siege of Limerick. Uh, we're oh, yeah. like a biannual uh, a destination event for... Yeah. For metalers from around the country, really. I mean, Limerick is the capital of metal in the country. There's no there's no two ways about it. Yeah. Things now like Monolith happening this August uh, at Cypress Avenue. Tickets available from cypressavenue.ie where Rotting Christ are headlining, but also high up on the bill are the likes of Zora and other Irish artists. I mean, the return of those kind of big all dares to where there used to be Winterfest. Now there's three mm. of them. Uh, and they're drawing the names and they're bringing, they're bringing crowds in from the woodwork to me the difficulty with, with metal in Cork and with putting on metal shows because I, I did metal shows for years yeah, yeah. as well never quite got into to gigging out as a musician with metal uh, but I did run a lot of shows of what Cormac Daly would call aggressive but intelligent music um, the one thing I found was those big names would bring people out of the woodwork but it's difficult to keep them out of the woodwork I think the the all there thing the intense festival thing that's definitely an attempt to combat that mm. you can't live on festivals alone but it's it's definitely I mean I've thought about it a lot man I, I actually I don't even have an answer to how how you solve that you can't make people do anything yeah I think um, it's it really there's there is so much to do in this day and age right yeah music is no longer the only entertainment we'll have is this the Xbox and Netflix? That uh, kind of. Thing? I mean, I think it's. I, I. When I first heard people saying it, I was like, no, because no, music is too good. But that's. <laughs> but, that, but that's just me. You see, you know, like yeah, like, that's a lot I, of us. I, I yeah, I know, I know. It's a lot, of, and, and a lot of people I've met, and a lot of friends here in Cork are yeah, will be the same way. But, um, it really comes down to, it's it's, it, people are looking for an experience ultimately, yeah. and that's why festivals and the like are so popular that's why promoters are having to try and offer maybe a slightly different experience like as you mentioned with the visuals um like teletext would have run and um and how paranoid beast are uh, approaching the paranoid pitch gigs the multimedia experience with yes. videos uh, forthcoming on youtube as well yeah yeah, those. So that's the, the the plan with those is to kind of have it as an archive of the the scene, really. Yeah. Um, sort of like on the level of like KEXP or Audio Tree or something, mm. you know. Because I don't know about you, but I find the live recordings of something I'll nearly listen to that more than a band's studio uh, studio efforts. I find something. It does, yeah. yeah. But a lot of them, like, it comes across really well. I loved Enemies audio tree session yeah yeah that was a banger um, um, both of them were and so I watch you from afar it's interesting to hear them when you know the sound desk is a bit more level across as opposed to everything up yeah yeah yeah, to the yeah. speaking of cork metal uh, two of the bands that you mentioned just there earlier uh, you've got coming up as part of your playlist for the show uh, Soothsayer with Cephalopod yeah so I was in the control room when this was recorded I um, I was kind of like I have engineering credit on it but like Pavel's the mastermind. Yeah. <laughs> Pavel's the mastermind behind it. And uh, I was just, I was the Pro Tools guy for the day and it was awesome. It was a really hot day uh, in the studio and I don't know how they did it because they were playing for, yeah, it must have been six hours 
with very few breaks, but they just kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger takes, which is unusual. Yeah. Particularly Liam on vocals. His vocals just kept getting stronger even after five hour mark. Like Do you hear him after a gig talking like Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's worn out to, to yeah. have that kind of stamina, etc. must really yeah. take something out of you. Speaking of bands with great studio representation, you also have the title track of God Alone's debut album, Paulum Run. Yeah, this is uh this is actually just one of my favourite songs full stop I think like I actually there there is a period when that was released I remember there was a period of time in work like where I actually couldn't concentrate because I just had this in my head it's such a class record because we talk about metal and we talk about how it's kind of been received by different generations in Cork City we talk about the different ways and means that it's affected people mm. over the years God Alone are really the first metal band to have been the product of the post-genre environment yeah to where metal is primarily their thing but like every other kid their age they're taking in absolutely everything uh, via Spotify via the internet and so forth oh, as yeah, well sure and did. they're far more educated than we would have been when we were their age sure Jack drops in reggae beats like constantly into the tunes it's ridiculous it's, isn't it? it's mad like it's just an insane and it's been so crazy to see what they've done in the uh, space of two years yes not even like like I remember I think their first like Keen was saying to me recently their first big boy gig was in Fred's that time with speculative fiction and yeah. horse and shifting and I think they'd all played well not shifting but the, the other lads had played uh, uh, an all ages gig earlier in the day at the ground floor yeah yeah but that night in Fred's apparently was their first and I was just floored they're so good like, and they've been so good forever yeah it's ridiculous and, and like I was, I was, I was on the desk that night, and like, and and I was actually asked to turn it down, you know. By, I think it was Tom asked me to turn it down. Yeah, just in terms of like, because <laughs> they're full on. Like. It was powerful, like yeah. And just imagine what the future has in store for them, you know. Good things, Their as far as I know. Potential is ridiculous. Like it's frightening to see what they what they'll get accomplished and what that means for the Cork music yeah. scene. We'll hear from God alone there momentarily, but first, this is Soothsayer with Cephalopod here on Red on Red.
Cork Metal Lyrics God Alone with Paul Namrone here on Red on Red. Just a sample of what can be got from attending your local metal shows at venues like Fred Zeppelin's and on Spalpeen Faunuk. Still joined in studio by Carosa and Great Apes Man, Tomas O'Brien. And Tomas, before we wrap up the show, uh, atting to plug, any gigs coming up? Anything that you want the world to know about or anyone that you want to publicly defame on this platform? I don't want to defame anyone. There's lots of really nice people out there. Um, <laughs> um, I'm not sure. Sh- oh, yeah. Well, I, I'll i be playing up in Limerick with Zora like, and Tombs, I think it is, on the 25th of next month. That's You're going there with Carosa? Yeah, that's yeah. one of my first gigs with them. There will be one before that, but it hasn't been announced and it is more Ooh. local. Uh so keep your eyes on keep your uh, eyes posted on Paranoid Beast promotions well excellent. just generally anyway but yeah but also specifically to this also uh, specifically this yeah, yeah if you if you want to see some things engineering etc you got a busy kind of schedule ahead of you reasonably busy yeah um, back to open ear you said back earlier. to open ear anyway yeah and um, that's the big one yeah I guess uh, headline by Rady Pete, also including uh, Woven Skull, mm. uh, with a massive, massive undercard of Irish electronic music, including Gadget and the Cloud. For more information, check out openear.ie. That about wraps it up for this week's episode of Red on Red, Cork's new music podcast from Red FM and redextra.ie. Thank you very much to Tomas O'Brien for coming into us this afternoon. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you very much to Griffith College Cork for having us here on our bank holiday post-weekend. And thank you very much for listening. If you like what you're hearing, please take the time to subscribe and leave a review on Apple and Google Podcasts. Subscribe to us on Spotify, as well as other podcasting platforms. Share this on your social media, and make sure to check out the artists featured online or at an upcoming gig. And if you'd like more Irish tunes, please be sure to listen in to Green on Red on Sunday nights with Alan O'Donovan for the best of all that is Irish on Cork's Red FM. 104 to 106. You're leaving us with a stone-cold classic, pushing the hot-grinding power into the people's brains uh, from the, the, the gruesome twosome of, um, of infamy and of legend. You've got I'll Eat Your Face with the Eels of Love Lake. Yeah, um, so I, I just had to stick this on the playlist, man. Like, this band are one of the absolute best to come out of Ireland. Like, no questions asked. Bar none. Yeah, they're so, so original, and this track is groovy, like, in ways that you wouldn't expect. They were so good live because they kind of crossed that Rubicon between metal, grindcore, math rock, and popular influences. There's no two ways about it. Yeah, sure, there was the, uh, the, the what was it? The Mike Goldman cover? Y- yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was incredible. And it's only kind of in hindsight now because I oh they covered Salt and Pepper as well they did they covered, live um, it was there live yeah it's no it's been recorded though I never heard it no no it's 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 been released oh they did a session yeah 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 no because I I've I've seen that live in multiple locations because I was a a bit of a a bit of a regular haunter of their of, ah, of, yeah. of, of their castle live like they were incredible yeah um what underpinned it was the fact that there wasn't that kind of sense of humor to metal of any kind and likewise you know comedy grindcore didn't really have any physical manifestation so you know the stars aligned between two top quality Egypts like Barry Tron and the Boy <laughs> and it made for a legendary run of albums which yeah. uh, some of which are still available right now on Bandcamp I'llEatYourFace.Bandcamp.com yep. sadly uh, Fatbox Life Destroyer with such uh, summer barbecue friendly classics as Tragic Meat and um, 300 Euro Gas Bill 300 Euro Gas Bill was on Irritant oh yes uh, yeah. Gushing Throne uh, there's, there's a whole bunch more those early demos were your novel. We could be shouting out about Grindcore here uh, all day long, <laughs> uh, but we'll leave you to it. This is I'll Eat Your Face with Eels of Love Lake. This has been Red on Red, and we'll talk to you next week.
Red on Red. Please share this on your social media and make sure to check out the artist featured online or at an upcoming gig. And if you'd like more Irish tunes, fuck it. Three, two, one.